Welcome back, guys, to Wrestling and More's podcast, Ring Rope Roundup. And this is episode four. I'm sorry it's taken so long to get them up and running, but we have come to you now. Well, it's WrestleMania season. It's WrestleMania 33 later this weekend, and we at the office, as I'm sure all of you listening, are buzzing ready for some more WrestleMania magic. But it did get us thinking, what is the best WrestleMania? And we thought, as I'm sure a lot of you do, it's mirrored on a lot of websites, that it is WrestleMania 17. So, we thought, hmm, okay, well let's have a look at what WrestleManias are the best excluding WrestleMania 17 because I think WrestleMania 17 was such a fantastic show that it overshadows everything else. So what we're going to do is we are going to start our top six. Okay, we're going to have a series of top sixes. People do top five, top tens, top eights. So we're going to do a top six. So what we're going to do is we are going to do our top six best WrestleManias that are not WrestleMania 17. And let's get this going. So number six it's WrestleMania 20 from Madison Square Garden. Um, it was a really, really good show. It was the third one emanating from Madison Square Garden after, of course, WrestleMania 1 and WrestleMania 10. But it's never mentioned. And obviously, it's never mentioned because of what happened afterwards with Chris Benoit. Um, I'm not going to discuss that really on this podcast. But that was the reason, to be perfectly honest, that I think a lot of. A lot of countdowns won't mention it anymore. But it is an extremely underrated WrestleMania. If you look at the card, I mean, you've got Chris Jericho versus Christian, which doesn't sound like a great match, but it really was. It was based around Trish Stratus um, and about their affection because it started with those two wanting basically to see who could get a date with a diva, which is quite a sleazy build-up to a WrestleMania match. But it led to Trish Stratus' betrayal of um, of Chris Jericho, and it was, such a, it was such a swerve that, honestly, it made you really enjoy the match. Um, in my opinion, it's one of the best Undertaker Kane matches. Unfortunately, despite Kane being one of my favourite competitors of all time, and I will argue this to the hilt, especially up until about 2010 before he got his weird corporate gimmick on, um, this was the best incarnation. It was just after Undertaker had returned from his badass, uh, American badass gimmick um, and returned back to his dead man gimmick um, after Survivor Series t- uh, 2003. So this was the match, really. It was the return of the dead man. His brother was unhinged. And it was just, it was a really, really, really good match. Uh, You've got John Cena's first US title win versus the big show. And this is when John Cena was red, red hot before, obviously, is, you know, you can't wrestle chant and boring chant and whatever other chance he gets, which I think was quite harsh, to be honest. I, I appreciate John Cena massively as a wrestling worker. Um, to call him all the things that he's been called by members of the wrestling universe I think it's a bit harsh um, of course you've got Evolution versus Rock and Sock connection, uh, McFoley coming out of retirement for what felt like the 900th time in order to unite with The Rock versus Evolution uh, Evolution of course won um, and then we had possibly two of the greatest matches to start with uh, we had Eddie Guerrero versus Kurt Angle for the WWE Championship which was Fantastic! It also had one of my favourite moments where, of course, Kurt Angle had his patented ankle lock, which so few competitors could get out of. Eddie Guerrero lied, cheated, stole his way to the championship by undoing your laces on his boots so that when he was put into the ankle lock, slipped his foot out of his boot, got Kurt Angle in the roll-up, took the championship. Fantastic end to the match, something that not a lot of people saw coming, and I just really, really enjoyed that. And then finally... For the World Heavyweight Championship, we had Chris Benoit, who of course won the 2003 Royal Rumble versus Triple H, the champion, and Shawn Michaels, who I'm still not entirely sure why was in this match. Um, He seemed to have inserted himself basically after a match ended in in a draw with Triple H. He seemed to think that that warranted him in the match. I'm not going to argue because it was a fantastic match. It did culminate in the longest submission hold ever. And if it wasn't the longest hot submission hold ever, it felt like it. <laughs> Triple H was put in the cripple crossface uh, by Chris Benoit. And after good grief, what felt like an absolute age, uh, Triple H finally tapped out, giving Chris Benoit his his only World Heavyweight Championship reign. Um, and of course, that culminated again 
in one of the most iconic WrestleMania scenes where you've got Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit, very good friends in real life, holding the championships aloft um, as confetti rains down from the ceiling. And it, it was a really, really iconic moment. One of the best WrestleMania moments, in my opinion. But, of course, because of what happened with Chris Benoit, it's just never, it's never really mentioned. And I feel... I'd be doing WrestleMania 20 a disservice if I didn't mention the absolute car crash that was Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg. We're getting it at WrestleMania 33. The build-up is better. Of course, Goldberg goes in as champion, which it's going to be debatable as to whether that's a good thing. But there we go. Um, This was an absolute car crash. Uh, Both men had come out and said they were leaving the WWE after this match, after Goldberg's fairly uninspired run, his first run in the WWE. Uh, Brock Lesnar had become very disenfranchised with the the state of the business and wanted to leave and play uh, American football for the Minnesota Vikings. However, it was... This match is really infamous. Um, It was seven minutes of the two men staring at each other into rest holds then staring at each other again as Steve Austin, who was the guest referee, kind of stood there laughing, going, what is going on? The fans booed this out of the building. I mean, watch it just for this. It's incredible. I've never seen a crowd hijack a match as much as they did this match. Um, Chance of you sold out. Boring. Oh, it was... It's actually quite cringeworthy to watch now. But obviously, you know, Goldberg and... Brock Lesnar aren't bothered. Um, they knew they had their WrestleMania payday. They knew they were leaving, so proceeded to utterly sabotage their own match and lead to one of the most iconic WrestleMania moments, but not for the right reason. So that is WrestleMania 20, number six on our countdown. Number five, another 20, WrestleMania 21. Now, this is where WrestleMania goes Hollywood. It was Los Angeles from the Staples Center in California. It took place on the 3rd of April 2005. And it started with some of the most hilarious opening vignettes the WWE have ever done. Now, we know as wrestling fans, as WWE fans, that the WWE handles comedy in a terrible, terrible way. Um, but this was genuinely good. You've got iconic moments all through history, redubbed with wrestlers into it. For example, uh, Triple H as William Wallace from Braveheart. You've got Steve Austin as Gladiator. It was it was really, really good. And I think a really good way of introducing um, that Hollywood element into this WrestleMania. Um, but again, just down the card, there was excellent, excellent matches throughout. You've got Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio. Both of those men were tag team champions at the time. And they decided to have a match because Guerrero wanted to prove he could beat Rey Mysterio. Uh, he didn't. And it led to a really, really good feud over the, over the next year. But it was a really, really good match. It was the first Money in the Bank ladder match won by Edge. That was incredible. Such a good match. Such good spots. I mean, you know, when Guerrero... Um, not Guerrero. When Chris Benoit fell from the ladder. Oh, it was brilliant. You've got Shelton Benjamin doing all sorts. It was, it was a really, really good match. And I think some... In fact, a lot needs to go to Chris Jericho for this. Another competitor in the match. But it's widely considered to be his kind of brainchild uh, the Money in the Bank ladder match his um, his concept if you will and I think it's one of the most novel concepts in the WWE so well done Chris Jericho um, then one of my favourite Undertaker matches Undertaker versus Randy Orton this is as Randy Orton was going through his uh, legend killer phase he'd already taken out Mick Foley in quite a brutal fashion and had his eyes set on the Undertaker and on Undertaker's unbeaten streak now Obviously, wrestling fans, you know that this is not a spoiler, but Randy Orton doesn't beat The Undertaker. However, surely this would have been a more opportune moment to break The Undertaker's streak. If The Undertaker was going to lose his streak, surely this would be the time to a young and upcoming Randy Orton going through a legend killer gimmick. Surely this would have been the time. The WWE didn't think so, and of course The Undertaker beats Randy Orton clean. However... There was one spot in this match which was absolutely incredible. Undertaker got Randy Orton up for a choke slam, and Randy Orton reversed it in midair into an RKO. And it was just, it's one of the best RKOs, RKOs? RKOs I've ever seen. And, well, I say that, there is another one which is pretty good later on in this list. But I just think that this was the chance 
If you're going to break the Undertaker streak, something as prestigious as the Undertaker streak, do it here. But they didn't, and Undertaker carried on, obviously, until WrestleMania 30 with his streak. There was also Kurt Angle versus Shawn Michaels, which gave birth to the wonderful, wonderful Sexy Kurt dance and song, which he then he sang at the Hall of Fame ceremony. If you haven't seen it, it's amazing. He does such a good speech. Um, but it's a fantastic match, again, as you would expect from these two competitors, and it's a promotional match between the two. Um, John Cena beating JBL for his first WWE Championship. JBL, of course, his streak was the longest in 10 years, but John Cena, this young and upcomer, this person that the wrestling community were really getting behind, finally ousted JBL as champion, and it was a really good, feel-good moment. Of course, there was also Hulk Hogan's return, Eugene, Oh, Eugene. Oh, what a terrible gimmick. Um, came to the ring to say hello to the to the WrestleMania crowd. Uh, he was interrupted by Mohammed Hassan and Davari, who basically started beating the poor lad up for being out in WrestleMania when Mohammed Hassan wasn't. Um, and Hulk Hogan returned, beat both of them up, and then it was just it was an excellent field moment. One of the biggest pops in WrestleMania history. It was just incredible. And uh, it was it was really good. It's um, an excellent kind of lynch point in the middle of WrestleMania. It was excellent. It was just all together. It was a really, really good show. And, you know, there was also Triple H's match, but with Batista, which was good. And it was it was the build-up rather than the match. So that's why I haven't mentioned it, really. It wasn't, the match itself was all right. But the build-up with the like, kind of the dissolution of... Um, of evolution was really, really good. However, again, <laughs> I'd feel I feel like I was doing a I'd feel like I was doing you a disservice if I didn't mention the utter tripe, utter crap that was the sumo match. Yes, the sumo match, you heard that correctly, that took place in the middle of this WrestleMania. Poor big show. Oh, the things the Big Show does for entertainment. I mean, the poor bloke has now had to don a nappy and sumo wrestle, sumo wrestle Akibono. He's had to be punched in the face by Floyd Mayweather. And of course, who could forget in WCW where he had to have that utterly terrible monster truck match with Hulk Hogan. So next time we badmouth the Big Show, just think about the things that poor bloke has to do and the things that Eric Bischoff and Vince McMahon have had that poor bloke do in the name of ratings. Poor bloke. <laughs> but yeah, that's number five, WrestleMania 21. Number four, WrestleMania 30 from the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans. There's quite an obvious reason this one is on the list. It's certainly not the strongest WrestleMania, but the story going in and the overarching storyline was just so well done. The mistreatment of Daniel Bryan was just, it led to this movement, the movement that we haven't seen in decades, in my opinion. Yes, there was the John Cena, but it was nowhere near, the John Cena movement was nowhere near as vocal as, their, as the fan support for Daniel Bryan. Um, after the after the debacle that was, that was um, the Royal Rumble of that year, and we had Batista's return, and then Batista's win, and the fans didn't like that. So, Batista was booed out of the building, and the WWE, in flat-out panic, thought, they're not going to like our main event, are they? Randy Orton versus Batista for the title. So, what are we going to do to make the fans get on board with this? Why? We'll insert Daniel Bryan. However, Daniel Bryan had been massively mistreated by the authority, so he had to earn his way into the match by defeating Triple H in the opener. And what a match it was. These two put on an absolute clinic and say what you will about Triple H and about his shovel and about his burying opponents, but he did the right thing here, laid down clean for Daniel Bryan to go on to the main event of WrestleMania. It was such a good match. I mean, we had other things, obviously, in this match. It was the, what, uh, it was the first WrestleMania with the first ever Andre the Giant Battle Royal, which was eventually won by Cesaro. I assume that this was to try and give him a stepping off point for his career. Kind of, you know, a push. 
As we can see, that hasn't happened yet. Uh, three years down the line, which is quite upsetting. However, it was a really good feel-good moment for the time. Um, there was obviously the Shield, who were in the last throws of their run. Um, they squashed the, um, the New Age Outlaws and Kane in one of the most pointless opening kind of kind of matches in WrestleMania history. I'm not entirely sure why that was a match. Um, but there you go. They did they won quite convincingly. Um, then we get to two matches. You know the two matches. I'm gonna go into the first one first, Bray Wyatt versus John Cena. Um, I love Bray Wyatt, as you've noticed from my previous podcasts, from my previous blog articles, things like that. Um, I love him. But I've got to say that Bray Wyatt has got to win this match. The whole back backstory line was that Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family wanted John Cena to go out of his comfort zone to prove, similar to Joker and Batman, for those comic book fans out there, that he wanted to prove that he could be the one to make John Cena forget himself and to do something very un-John Cena-like. Now, Bray Wyatt wasn't bothered about winning this match, as proved by his antics in the WrestleMania match, where he just kind of knelt down, gave John Cena a chair, and went, hit me, go on, hit me. Okay? John Cena, of course, didn't, because he's Super Cena, big match John, um, and instead took it to all three members of the Wyatt family. Ugh which was extremely depressing, and it led to John Cena, of course, winning, overcoming the odds. I still think that it would have made for a better storyline, a more interesting climax, and it would have given so much more going on. Going on past WrestleMania, there would have been more in this story, and there was so much more to explore if Bray Wyatt had proved that John Cena wasn't this squeaky clean superhero that the WWE were trying to persuade portray him as. Unfortunately, of course, John Cena won clean. So, you know, that was the end of that. Something that they could have done, which they didn't. It was only a small tweak, but it's something that left a bit of a bitter taste in the mouth, especially after such good build-up. Then, of course, oh my life. The ending of the streak. I remember sitting and watching this moment, and I remember the third F5 from Brock Lesnar. And my friend who was sitting with me at the time was like, Undertaker doesn't look right. And at the time, you're that caught up in the match that you think, no, he's fine, he's the Undertaker, he's fine. Then the pin happened, and just silence. Just utter silence. It was it was this thing that's... It's never going to happen again. Let's just get that straight. It's nothing like this is ever going to happen again. Undertaker's streak was a thing of legend and it was taken and I don't I know that Brock Lesnar was this monster at the time still is obviously he's Brock Lesnar um, but was he the man to end the streak should he have been the man to end the streak what has Brock Lesnar done since uh, he destroyed John Cena at SummerSlam as well, which is really good. But what has he done since then? They should have built him into more of a monster than he already already was. Don't have him lose. Because ultimately, I don't see anything that's come out of The Undertaker's streak being beaten. You know, if you're giving it to someone who needed it, like Randy Orton that I mentioned earlier in the podcast when he was in his legend killer gimmick. If you've given it to, I know, Bray Wyatt, you know, someone who wasn't quite as established and give that to them, you know, they'll be the person that beat The Undertaker's streak. You're not going to be able to ignore that superstar. Brock Lesnar was already established. He was already one of the biggest superstars in the company. It's just, it's just pointless. But it happened. It was a shocking moment. It's one of those things that people still talk about now, whether it was right or wrong, and it was an alright match. I mean, it wasn't a great match. I mean, The Undertaker performed most of it with a severe concussion, um, but, you know, it's one of those things that you think, what if? 
And then finally, we had the main event, Daniel Bryan versus Randy Orton, the Unified Champion versus Batista, Bootista or Blutista, depending on which one you preferred. And it was such a good match. This was such a good match. You've got Daniel Bryan, who was an absolutely phenomenal worker. You've got Batista, who could be pushed if he's got the right opponent. You've got Randy Orton, who at that time was a really, really good worker. Um, Daniel Bryan won. And the reception, as he held those two titles aloft, is worth a space on this list without anything else. That moment where the entire WWE universe united in that yes chant when Daniel Bryan won the championship was just incredible. It was absolutely amazing. And full, full credit to Daniel Bryan because he thoroughly deserved it and it is a crying shame that the poor bloke can't wrestle anymore. When he clearly wants to, you can see it in his eyes, you can see in his face that he wants to wrestle. And this could have been his real mega push into superstardom. But it wasn't to happen. This match, though, was incredible. This match was worthy of headlining any WrestleMania. If it had just been Randy Orton versus Batista, the crowd would have booed it out of the building. But Daniel Bryan won, and people see it as a victory for the WWE Universe because they changed the main event. They didn't, but they certainly had a hand in it. It also, as I mentioned earlier when I was talking about WrestleMania 20, uh, sorry, 21. One of the best RKOs I've ever seen when Batista... Batista bombed Daniel Bryan into an RKO through the Spanish announce table. What a spot that was. It looked incredible. It looked like it really, really, really hurt. But what a spot. And again, what a main event to a WrestleMania. Number three. WrestleMania 24 from the Citrus Bowl Orlando in 2008. One of my favourites for many reasons. The first, of course, is JBL destroying Hornswoggle with a bin. If you haven't seen it, I first um, saw this on What Culture, and <laughs> literally JBL picks up a bin and absolutely launches it at Hornswoggle. Really, really stiff as well, but it must have hurt. It was a fantastic throw, and it did properly crack Hornswoggle. You've then got Floyd Mayweather beating the absolute blue cheese out of the Big Show with, an, with a knockout punch. Um, again, as mentioned before, the Big Show tends to get jobbed out for things like this, which is really unfortunate. But Floyd Mayweather actually held himself really well, considering he's a boxer, he's not a wrestler. He held himself pardon me, quite well. And Big Show's actually come out since that WrestleMania and said he actually conducted himself better in the ring than a lot of people whose job it is to wrestle. And I suppose a lot of that goes down to Matt Seidel, who you may know from the WWE as uh, Evan Bourne, who trained Mayweather, um, kind of um, put himself in his shoes, kind of showed him how to go in the ring, and when they practiced the match, him and, uh, him and the Big Show, Matt Seidel would step in for Mayweather to show how the spots would look. So well done to him. Um, there was the Money in the Bank ladder match, of course, with CM Punk, Shelton Benjamin, Chris Jericho, Carlito... MVP Mr. Kennedy and John Morrison or Johnny Mundo for those who watch Lucha Underground. CM Punk won but that's not why this is on the list. That's not why this is on the list as one of the greatest moments. It's because of John Morrison's spot. John Morrison took a ladder moonsaulted off the top rope into a crowd of people. It was absolutely incredible. There's a wonderful still. If you can find, Google it and you will find the still and it's, the moonsault is just perfect but holding a ladder as well into the rest of the performers is just it's just an absolutely awesome spot and you need to check it out if you don't check out wrestlemania 24 for any other reason check it out for this it's an absolutely incredible spot then of course you've got the triple threat between randy orton john cena and triple h for the wwe championship absolutely incredible and ended with a brutal brutal punt to Triple H from Randy Orton. I mean, I know it's a, you know, it's a move that can be seen as quite brutal, but this, he looked like he put absolutely everything into that punt. Um, it was a really, really good match. Again, 
most of these now, especially as we are in the top three now, WrestleManias. In my opinion, again, this list is purely subjective, but we're only going to get really good matches now, with the odd exception. Undertaker versus Edge. Absolutely stellar match for the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, it was... These two worked so well together. Undertaker reversing a spear into a Hell's Gate. It's just, it's just an awesome transition. Just everything they did worked really well together. Their styles complemented each other. It was a really, really good match. Um, Undertaker, of course, won, as he tends to do at WrestleMania, um, to become 16 and, uh, and carry on his streak. Edge, again, a really, really good performer, and I really liked him when he was with Edge and Christian, when he was a World Heavyweight Champion, when he was a rated R superstar. And to be perfectly honest, I think this kind of showcased his ability, but also kind of elevated him even more to the big time, so to speak. And then, of course, we had one of the most emotional moments. We've talked about most iconic, we've talked about best spots. This is one of the most emotional moments, and it's the retirement match of Ric Flair. Okay, he chose Shawn Michaels, but man, Vince McMahon prior to this, a tall Ric Flair. You lose a match, and you retire. And Flair pretty much said, well, I'm not going to go the rest of my career unbeaten, am I? So, I might as well go out with a bang. And I am going to face Shawn Michaels, Mr. WrestleMania, at WrestleMania 24 in Florida. Now, there's a lovely, lovely um, kind of story that Ric Flair tells um, just before the match. That uh, Michaels told Ric Flair to shut up and listen to me. Okay, don't do anything, don't open your mouth, just shut up, listen to me, and we will have a fantastic match. And I've got... There's not many people in the wrestling community, in the wrestling biz, that will be able to tell Ric Flair that. In fact, probably just Shawn Michaels. Um, but it paid dividends. Because this match, it's such an emotional roller coaster. You talk about storytelling in the ring, this was brilliant. And Ric Flair, I mean, yes, he didn't retire here, he went to TNA for his really, really successful singles run joking um but we don't talk about that here for all intents and purposes he retired after this match and even the point where Shawn michaels freezes in the middle of a super kick because he just can't do it he knows that if he beats rick flair he retires and rick flair keeps going and to go with Shawn michaels at the age rick flair was i'm not entirely sure of the age but to keep going at that age with Shawn Michaels, someone who is in, you know, the peak of his life, really. This run for Shawn Michaels, 2002 to 2010, was really his peak, in my opinion. Um, but eventually, three sweet chin musics it took to ground Ric Flair, to make Ric Flair retire, to keep him down. And that final one, when Shawn Michaels is in the corner and Ric Flair puts up his fists, kind of staggering on the spot, and Shawn Michaels mouths those immortal words, I'm sorry. I love you. And then Sweet Chin Music's him, pins him one, two, three, holds him, and then rolls out of the ring to let Ric Flair embrace the love from the WrestleMania crowd. It was it's one of those moments, and unfortunately, there's not many left in wrestling that do this. But it gave you goosebumps. It made your hair stand up on your arms. It made the hair stand up on the back of your neck. It was such a wonderful moment and it's you I watch it now and I did I've watched these WrestleManias now to um to kind of revise and make sure I could provide this podcast for you all. Um and it still gave me goosebumps. Despite me knowing what actually happened next, it's still an awesome, awesome match. And to be honest, this WrestleMania was was really, really good for that <laughs> just for that match. Never mind what else came before it. That match put this Wrestlemania on the map right we're on to the top two and number two Wrestlemania 18 from the Toronto Sky Dome on the 17th of March 2002 the first post-alliance and invasion Wrestlemania and in my opinion if they'd have done the invasion pay-per-view like this they would have earned so much more money because the Invasion pay-per-view is one of the most lucrative in WWE history and quite frankly it was crap 
just think about the matches that they had in this pay-per-view and just think about if it had been as part of the invasion. You had Rob Van Dam versus William Regal for the IC Championship, which uh, Rob Van Dam won. You got Undertaker versus Ric Flair, and you know Ric Flair second to perhaps only Sting in WCW. In fact, no, I take that back. Ric Flair is the is the epitome of WCW, and they had that match, which was incredible. Okay, Ric Flair and Sting were the two people that I wanted to see Undertaker fight, and we got Ric Flair. Yes, we didn't get Sting, which was incredibly disappointing, and especially after Rick, um, Sting's pretty much complete in-ring in retirement. It seems unlikely that we're ever going to get that. But we got the Ric Flair match, and it was incredible. We had Diamond Dallas Page versus Christian for the European title. We had Kurt Angle versus Kane. We had Edge versus Booker T, which was a match because of Shampoo. Still not entirely sure how you can justify that as a reason for a match but it happened so and to be honest it was a really good match but you can't get over the fact that it was over shampoo and I look there's a wonderful still again google it if you can there's a wonderful still of them fighting and in the background there was a crowd fan with a board up that just says they are fighting over shampoo which just kind of puts a damper on the whole match really but it was a really really good match then of course these are the two matches these were incredible you had Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Scott Hall with Kevin Nash now fair play to Scott Hall sells a stunner like an absolute champ and I mean it took a lot it took a lot of stunners to keep Scott Hall down in fact I think there was two consecutive ones but it's brilliant the only thing I would say about this match is that I would have had Stone Cold work with Hogan because during the Monday Night Wars you got Stone Cold spearheading the Attitude Era and Hulk Hogan as the leader of the NWO on WCW Monday Night Nitro. So that would have been the ultimate clash between the two. Unfortunately we had Hall and Nash which were kind of the secondary members of the NWO even though it was those that started it. Um, and Austin won, which was the right result, obviously. And then, wow, Icon versus Icon match. Hulk Hogan versus The Rock. And yes, perhaps this wasn't the technical masterclass other matches in other WrestleMania pay-per-views would have been. Yes, it's not Ricky Steamboat versus Macho Man Randy Savage from WrestleMania 3. But this, for crowd reaction, for storytelling, for emotion, this is one of the best WrestleMania matches in history. It takes a true icon to turn 68,000 people to support a completely different person. Going into the match, Hulk Hogan was the heel, The Rock was the face. Partway through the match, Rock was the heel, Hogan was the face. It happened without either person really anticipating it. In fact, as you hear those boos and those cheers escalate, you see both of them stop, kind of look at the crowd and go, what is going on here? This is incredible. And it, it led to... It was that good a match and that good a reaction for Hogan that it led to one more title run for him. But what's even more amazing is the fact that the crowd reaction changed the entire match. It Everything that Hulk, Hogan and The Rock had practiced went out of the window. Completely out of the window when they did the entire match on the fly. Who else could have done that? A match like that on a stage like that, coming out of the invasion, coming out of the implosion of WCW, who else could have produced a match like this on the fly? The Rock and Hulk Hogan, that's who. And they provided an absolutely incredible, incredible match. Just an interesting note, by the way. Um, Nash has since said that 
since the main event's ending, basically, was the NWO winning originally. And the NWO would, would interfere on the Rocks match and Hulk would win. So it's amazing how things change, really. And apparently that didn't change till the day. But basically Vince kind of said, no, it's not happening. And Nash kind of attributes that to the war between WCW and WWE, or WWF as it was then, kind of it still being a bit raw. Which is fair enough. And of course Nash, Hall and Hogan all had their WrestleMania paydays. But it would have been interesting to see if the NWO kind of revitalised and interfering in each other's matches, how that would have kind of influenced the crowd and how it would have brought in more buys and if there would have been a a more developed invasion storyline. However, it didn't. We had an absolutely iconic Icon versus Icon match that had just one downside. And that was that it wasn't the main event. And because of that, the crowd were flat as anything for the eventual main event, which was average at best. It was Chris Jericho, who's the undisputed champion, with Stephanie McMahon versus Triple H. And effectively what it was, was a deleted scene from EastEnders. Um, Chris Jericho had somehow found himself inserted into the middle of a marriage dispute between Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. And basically, the crowd just went into it, which is a real shame because it was the end of Chris Jericho's reign. And his reign hadn't really been great because the whole point had been Stephanie and Trips. But, uh, you know, I I wasn't feeling it at all. And the crowd weren't feeling it because they were exhausted from the Hulk Hogan rock match. But why was this the main event? If you're the organiser, you can't have a match following Hulk Hogan versus The Rock. It just doesn't happen. But, you know, there were some good things out of it. Pedigree to Stephanie McMahon, who wouldn't love to see that now. I'm sure Mick Foley would love to see that now. But I just want to make a little bit of a side note. And... I've never been a massive fan of Triple H. Um, in fact, a massive reason for me turning off wrestling, really, uh, in the mid-noughties is that Triple H was winning everything and it really began to wind me up. Um, but after reading this little bit of information when I was researching WrestleMania 18, it just filled me full of respect for this man. He'd obviously just returned from a terrible, terrible muscle tear which basically would have left anyone else not being able to walk. The man walked out of the ring. He took a Walls of Jericho with a torn torn quad or torn hamstring. I think it was a torn quad. He took a Walls of Jericho with it. Good grief, that makes me feel sick just thinking about it. Never mind taking the Walls of Jericho. But just before the match, if you notice the strapping on Triple H's knee, this is why he had it. Apparently, he'd injured his knee. And the suture had pulled a chunk of bone from his kneecap after his hamstring had split. And he'd split his kneecap. Now, the doctors had said, you are going to do serious injury to yourself if you don't stop the match. If you don't kind of listen to us and say, look, that you're not going to be able to do this, stop it. He took part in the match having strapped it up. He'd got a split kneecap. How was he walking? How was he taking part in a match? How did he do a pedigree where he lands on his knees? This man, full of respect for him. I mean, that man is just incredible. Incredible performer. Now, before we get to number one, and I'm sure there's going to be some disappointments, there's going to be like, oh, where was this WrestleMania? Where was that WrestleMania? I'm sorry. Now, before I get into my honourable mentions, which I will have, before uh, I kind of announce who my which my number one WrestleMania is. I haven't done anything. I haven't announced any WrestleManias from before I started watching wrestling. For example, WrestleMania 3 is a great WrestleMania. Okay, WrestleMania 12 with Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels and the Iron Man match are excellent WrestleManias. Um, WrestleMania... Well, pretty much those two, to be perfectly honest. But I can't have those in. WrestleMania 1, for example, I can't have those in because I wasn't 
into wrestling then. I wasn't... I wasn't invested. So I can't look back on those matches and have the same kind of thoughts about that as a person who was watching them at the time. So, for example, when Hulk Hogan body slams Andre the Giant, I watch that now and think, eh, yeah, it's all right. But back in the day, it was a huge, huge deal. I, I can't look back in that. So I thought it was best to do WrestleManias that I was either into wrestling for, or at least I was kind of alive for, at least. So, two honourable mentions before I get into number one. The first honourable mention, WrestleMania 14. 1998 from the Fleet Center in Boston. It's the first Kane versus Undertaker match. Kane was awesome. And his first incarnation, up until about 2010, was incredible. That storyline between him and Undertaker and Kane appearing at Bad Blood was incredible. And it's kind of one of the most enduring images of me watching wrestling as a child is Kane ripping the door off Hell and Cell at Bad Blood and this was the culmination of that feud it wasn't the greatest match which is quite disappointing but it is also quite fun to watch it now and look at how quick in the ring they actually were back then compared to how they are now of course you've got The Rock versus Ken Shamrock where for the IC title where Ken Shamrock loses his shit which is quite funny um, you know battering Rock off a stretcher and then of course there's a main event Steve Austin Shawn Michaels uh, for the WWE title where Tyson turns on DX. Also, a little bit of information which I found out, you know, I knew anyway, but I'm sure you guys know as well, but the fact that Undertaker stood at the curtain having strapped his hands up because there was rumours that Shawn Michaels wasn't going to play ball because he was in his... his uncooperative phase, let's say that. Undertaker apparently strapped his wrists up and said, if basically, paraphrasing slightly, but if you don't do business the way that we've said, I'm going to batter you. And The Undertaker is a big dude. So, Shawn Michaels played ball. <laughs> Which is excellent. And then finally, my final honourable mention, WrestleMania 26 from the University of Arizona in Glendale, Arizona. And this was in 2010. We had Edge versus Y2J. We had Mysterio versus Punk for the... Um, kind of the future of Rey Mysterio in the Straight Edge Society. We had Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, the career versus streak match, which was unbelievable. One of my favourite matches of all time. Any promotion, any pay-per-view, incredible match. If you've got time, go back, watch it. Watch their match from 25, then watch their match from 26. 26 is better. They're just incredible matches. However, there was some crap in this pay-per-view as well, which unfortunately, you know, kind of spoils the pay-per-view somewhat. Bret Hart versus Vince McMahon. Why you would bring Bret Hart back for this utter diatribes completely, I just, I just don't understand. It's a terrible match. And then Jack Swagger, of all people, won the Money in the Bank briefcase. Now, no disrespect to Jack Swagger. I thought he was criminally underused in the WWE, but... Of all the people in the company at the time, I don't think he was the person to win the Money in the Bank suitcase. And his title reign certainly wasn't great. So, there we are. So, reach the moment of truth. The number one WrestleMania that isn't WrestleMania 17 is WrestleMania 19 from Safeco Field, Seattle, Washington, March 30th, 2003. This was an absolutely unbelievable WrestleMania. For a start, it was the first WrestleMania under the brand split, which led to some excellent matches. It had Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho, which in my opinion is one of Shawn Michaels' best WrestleMania bouts up there with the, Wrestle the Undertaker match from WrestleMania 26. It will stem from Jericho idolizing Michaels, and it was a feud about that was built on proving who was the best uh, it was the first WrestleMania heart, um, Heartbreak Kid WrestleMania match since 1998. Since WrestleMania 14, the match we've just discussed. And in fact, Jericho mocked Shawn Michaels by using Sweet Chin music. However, Michaels won, went to hug and embrace Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho needed him in the balls. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. But it was an excellent match, really good match, and I know a lot of people still look at this match and say it is a technical masterclass, and it is. Watch it if you can. Even Matt Hardy versus Rey Mysterio for the Cruiserweight Championship is an excellent match, really underrated, and you don't get many people talking about it. It's a really good, good match. 
there's just so many good matches. There was Hogan versus McMahon, which it should not have been a good match. Vince McMahon is not a wrestler. Hulk Hogan wasn't at his best in WCW, never mind now in 2003. However, they had an excellent match. I mean, it was a blood, it was an absolute bloodbath. An absolute bloodbath, but both men properly put themselves on the line for this match. Hogan had returned in 2002 and had gone face, as WrestleMania 18 kind of proved, back to his red and yellow best. But man couldn't stand his latest title reign and challenged him. And if he lost, Hogan must retire. So, oh, it was, honestly, the only word I can describe this is bloody. It also, as well as that, it also uh, introduced us to the return of Roddy Piper who was incredibly out of shape and overweight. But there we are. And obviously Hogan won because he's Hulk Hogan. Um, we also had one of the more obscure Undertaker matches in the streak. Um, he was serenaded down the ramp on his bike by Limp Bizkit. Um, and he took on the team of A-Train and Big Show. Now, rumour has it, and it's actually been confirmed by Undertaker himself, that... Originally, this was supposed to be a tag team contest, and it was supposed to be Undertaker and Nathan Jones. Remember him? Nope, fair enough. Versus A-Train and Big Show. Um, and basically, they practiced for the match, they practiced for the match, they practiced for the match, and they realized that no matter how much practice they were putting in, Nathan Jones wasn't very good, and they just couldn't get him up to a standard where he was good enough to enter a Wrestlemania match of this calibre, or of any calibre to be perfectly honest, so what they said was right, just come in at the end and contribute a few kicks and I'll do the rest so Undertaker pretty much competed in a handicap match and won so, you know, well done Undertaker then we had two awesome, awesome matches, I mean we also had Triple H versus Booker T where we had that comment of People like you don't win championships. Oh, you can't say that, Paul. You, 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 you just can't say that. Especially after you were just given the title by Eric Bischoff. You, you didn't have to do anything. And really, Booker T should have won this match. I mean, he really, really should have. But he didn't. He lost to a pedigree in the world's slowest pin. But, you know, at least Booker T did get a reign with the championship later on. Even so, that comment, you can't say that. that that's, that's, just, that's just not great. But then, to kind of make up for that, we did have Rock versus Austin 3, their best match. It was Austin's last match. Both men used each other's finisher. We've got Stone Cold Steve Austin using a rock bottom and The Rock using a stunner. They, just, they used everything. The aisles, the crowds, the announce table, the announce bell. It was incredible. It was such a good match. Rock won with three rock bottoms. It took three rock bottoms and a stunner to keep Stone Cold down. It was, it was an excellent match and the crowd were really, really into it. You'd think after having three matches at WrestleMania 15, 17 and 19, they'd be bored of the matches, the crowd. However, no. The two men were so charismatic, so good in the ring and were so good at storytelling that they weren't bored. And that is the the epitome of good work and excellent wrestling. Also, side note, Austin was hospitalised pre-match, uh, I believe the night before, thinking he was having a heart attack. Um, but it turns out he just drank a lot of energy drinks. Um, so, you know, fair play to Steve Austin when you consider that he thought he was dying less than 24 hours before his match. And then, speaking of things before match, we had Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championships. Now, these two, I don't know what it was about each other, but they bought out the best in each other. They really, really did, because their matches were awesome. This match, their Iron Man match on SmackDown, both classics. They wrestle each other in New Japan, classic. They just they wrestle each other and classics happen. It's just what happens. Now, this match would be good without noticing the fact that the whole match was taken part in by a really severely injured Kurt Angle who'd got a really, really bad neck at the time. Needed surgery on it, but refused to have proper surgery on it till the match had happened. And it got to the point where Brock Lesnar's come out and said, I didn't want to touch him in case it broke. That is how in serious pain Kurt Angle is. And then if you watch the match now, with that knowledge in your head, it puts an entirely new spin on the match. 
the pain Kurt Angle must have been in to compete in that match. Because Brock Lesnar holds nothing back. He really doesn't. I know he said he was worried about him, but he holds nothing back. He's brutal with Angle. I mean, Angle's brutal with Lesnar as well, but good grief. That man had basically got broken neck. A broken freaking neck. It's true. It's damn true. But it was a grappling masterclass. And <laughs> that shooting star press happened where Brock Lesnar, for some strange reason, was told he needed to take to the skies. Don't do that, Brock. Don't do that. You're good on the floor. Don't do that. He landed a good 30 centimeters short of Kurt Angle and just kind of crashed into the mat, giving himself a severe concussion. Um, but the build-up was brilliant as well. Lesnar had won the Rumble. Uh, Angle had basically done everything he could to avoid battling Lesnar, even sending in his own brother against the Beast, which would be, which was brilliant. And it was a no DQ for Angle. So it, it basically, basically, Angle was going to lose. Um, but this match kind of just it topped it off as such an excellent WrestleMania and such an excellent match. If you just listen. To that, I mean, yes, there was crap. There was that pillow fight with the Miller Lite kind of women versus Stacey Keebler and Tori Wilson, but it and then Jonathan Coachman got pantsed for some reason that kind of put a downer on it. Um, but the rest of the WrestleMania, absolutely flawless. All the matches on the card were fantastic, even lower mid card matches were incredible. They really pulled it out of the bag with this, and that's why it is mine. And everyone at Wrestling and More's kind of office, it's our favourite WrestleMania. Now, if you agree, if you don't agree, comment, like, subscribe, talk to us. What's your favourite WrestleMania? What's your favourite WrestleMania moment? Favourite WrestleMania match? Favourite competitor? Who is it? Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. If you do love WrestleMania 17 that much, I've done an article on Sports Keda about it. Eyes on. Okay, it's where we look back at the WrestleMania. If you want to talk to us on Facebook, you can look for us on Wrestling and More blog. If you want to look for us on SoundCloud, we're on Wrestling and More. YouTube, we're on Wrestling and More. Twitter, follow us at Gameplay Goody. Gameplay underscore Goody. We'd love to talk to you. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.